What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Turn to Psalm 1. So this is my Bible. I want to point out a few things. Um, I have verse 2 highlighted, and it says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Wow. Disciple. Let me just tell you, man, why is that highlighted? Because that's a prayer for me. That's a prayer for me. If you want to put PC by it, I'll selfishly ask you to pray that for me, because if I do that, my life's going to be unbelievable. So let's pray this as we begin. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Lord, I pray this year in the name of Jesus that you would help us as a people to get around people that we need to be around and to separate from people who we need to separate from. And God, I'm reminded of early in my walk where I'd have my church friends and then my friends who were going out and partying. Help us, God, to understand the difference from being a friend of sinners, but spending the majority of your time with the disciples and taking your disciples with you to be friends of sinners. Please, Lord. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So, Lord, we just repent right now as a church. We repent. but, 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 God, we don't do this. We ask, God, that you would give us a greater desire, not from legalism, but for love, because we want to have your breath on our lips. We want to have your breath on our lips. We don't want to do this because of verse 3. We want to do this because we love you, God. We want to walk with a pure motive, God, before you. Verse 3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. God, you have appointed your people to go and bear much fruit that their fruit would remain. And apart from you, we can do nothing, God. We can do nothing. But I thank you, God, this is what we're called to do, that we would yield fruit in its season. In its season. Help us not be like the wicked, verse 4, who are going to be blown away. Verse 5, the wicked will not stand in judgment Because they've rejected the cross, they've rejected your sacrifice, and they said, I don't need you, Jesus. And we just intercede for the sinners, the wicked, those who are continuing to reject you, Jesus. They will not stand in heaven because they rejected you. Give us a heart for them. 
Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. Lord, your blood has declared us righteous. Your word says you made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. We once were wicked. Now we're righteous. Now we're righteous. We're righteous because of your blood. Your precious blood. Your sacrifice. You died for us. And because of that righteousness that you have bestowed upon us, you know our way. You know our way, it says. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. You know our next step. You know our next five years. You know our our drive home. So God, help us. Help us burn Psalm 1 into us as a people. And help us to continue to cry out to you, God. Learning how to pray with our Bible open, just like George Mueller. I've never had an unanswered prayer, he said, because I always pray with my Bible open. I just pray that over this flock. God, I come against the assignments of the devil in this place today. In Jesus' name, we stand in the authority of Christ and we say, be silent. Every lie broken, every accusation come to nothing in Jesus' name. We just take authority over all of the working of the enemy in Jesus' name, and we declare victory, victory, victory. It is finished. You have won. Death couldn't hold you. The grave couldn't hold you. Satan is defeated by you. You've given us all authority, which means he has none. So we celebrate that reality, God. And we walk in your victory. You overcame the flesh. You overcame your flesh. You overcame the world. And you overcame the devil. And we will overcome everything as we stand in you, Jesus. And that is our hope, just to stand in you, to be found in you, to abide in you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, guys. I don't know if you're fasting. I'm fasting. That's why you might think Chris is all over the place. I am a little bit. Drove in singing, I'm intoxicated. I'm in love. I cannot contain it. What I want. I cannot remember. Anyway. So I'm a little just like, I'm, a, I'm just pumped up. And I don't know if you've jumped in on our 21-day 20, uh, uh, church fast. I encourage you to do so. And here's the deal. The first three days were miserable. You know why? I love food. I love food. I love food. I'm not like Jesus yet where he said, my food is to the, do the will of him who sent me. I'm not like that yet. Someday, as you hold me accountable, amen? And so this fast is just being, it's, it's been so good because Jesus hit me with basic discipleship 101. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Yeah, food. Now, if you don't want to do food, that's okay. Some people are doing one meal a day. Some people are doing all meals a day, and they're just doing Facebook. Here's the deal. My wife, she's fasting Facebook. I need accountability for my bride. 
Can I get, can I get somebody to hold her accountable? Deny yourself, Chris. So I don't want to deny myself, God, with food. I, I want to do what I want to do. And when you hear deny yourself, and it's like, ah, what is it going to cost me? Ah, what do I have to give up? Ah. You're not yet fully convinced of the love of God. Because there's not a joy and expectation and a give us everything. In Romans 8 somewhere. Let's turn to Matthew 25. Nestor did a great job last week. Yeah. Phenomenal job. And so he was in Matthew 25, the, the, the virgins and... Um, the wise and the foolish, and he discussed that. And, and I kind of kept reading because this next section here, let's go ahead and get into the word of God. And, and in context, it says the kingdom of God or the end of this age is going to be like this. So this is Jesus speaking, and he's telling you what's going to happen before it happens out of love. And sometimes love is warning somebody. If you love your kids, you've warned them to look both ways before they cross the street. If you don't love them, you would not tell them that because you don't care about them. A lot of times we don't think warning and love go together. Yes, they do. It's so loving to warn. Jesus healed somebody in John chapter 5, and he said, Stop your sinning, or else something worse will happen to you. We just don't like that. We don't like that, Jesus. That was loving. Because Jesus knew what that guy was doing. He was calling that person to repentance. Just like the woman at the well. Hey, go get your husband. Well, I don't I don't have a husband. He's like, you're right. You've had five of them. And the one that you're living with is not your husband. She was wanting living water, but Jesus said you had to you, you need to repent of your lifestyle. He was bringing that up. Warning is love. God is love. Jesus is God. And so we've got to receive things in love. And I pray you do as we read Matthew 25, 14. For it will be like a man. Going on a journey. Who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them and made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money now, after a long time, and, and I want you to hide verse 18, please. Hide. Highlight. Don't hide it. <laughs> it 
Verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I've made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. If you're taking note, obedience and faithfulness to what God has given you leads to joy. Some of you don't experience a joyful life because you're being disobedient and you're burying your treasure, the treasure that God has given you. How do I know that? Because I've struggled with depression my whole Christian walk, and the root of it was I wasn't walking with a heart of obedience, and I wasn't doing what Jesus wanted me to do. But the good news is you can repent right now. Some people say, God's not speaking to me. Well, what was the last thing he told you to do? And did you do it? I need a fresh word. Well, maybe not. You're not doing what's written. He who had received five talents. Oh, I, I read that. Let's go to 22. And also, and he also who had the two talents came forward. Master, you delivered me two talents. Here, I made two talents more. And his master said, well done, and you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over must. Enter the joy of your master. He who had received one talent came forward. Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. Oh, I wish the guy with one talent would have been discipled by the other ones. The question is, did they have that? Did the one talent guy have the opportunity to seek community? Did he ask this question, Jesus, who do you want to disciple me? Some of us have been going to church our whole life, and there's two questions we've never even asked. Jesus, who do you want to disciple me? The second one, who can I disciple? Look at how Jesus answers. And again, God is love. Jesus is God. Jesus is the truth. Verse 26, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. At my coming, I should have received what was my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more, who has, will more be given and he will have an abundance. I want you to highlight that for a second, please. For everyone who has, 
more will be given. That's not just when you die, by the way. I don't think it is. Because I see people that take their talent that God has given them, and they say, out of a pure heart, God, use me for your glory. Use me. Where, where? Send me. I'll go. And all I have is these little fish, and I, I never can remember. Five loaves, two fish, two fish, five loaves, but you get the point. Five, two. I'm five foot two. You can use me. Take what I have. And God, in his economy, begins to multiply the talent that he's given you so that it feeds the 5,000. But some of us, oh, I, I can't sing like that person or, or, or I can't speak like that guy or I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. And we disqualify ourselves forgetting that God qualifies those he calls. And if he's given you one talent, are you cultivating that one thing, that one thing that you do? Well, all I can do is be, be a bookkeeper. That's, that's my passion. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Hey, we can use you. Because sometimes we can't find our talents. And they're put in the wrong account. Can I get a witness? That's where we should have done your announcement for the fiscally fit class, Al, you know. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Wow. So you would think Jesus and his economy would give it to the two? He gives it to the 10. Pray about your communism. Some people just don't want to work. Now I'm, I'm going to help me, God. If that offended you, come see me. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will be, and he will have an abundance from the one who has not. Even what he has will be taken away. Remember Samson? Great power, fell into sin, rebelled against God. Ministry over. He repented after his eyes were gouged out, and God used him one more time. Listen, if you've been burying your talent, today's the day. Stop it. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me, but I'll take this one little thing. Look, Moses was the greatest leader of Israel. He stuttered. So maybe you can't speak. Maybe you're going to write five books. The one who has not, I'm going to finish 29, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant. Wow. Worthless servant. Into the outer darkness, that place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's talking about hell. 
you're not saved by your works. We, we do not believe that here, but Jesus is always pushing back on people who just walk around. I prayed this prayer, and so I want, he- I want fire insurance. No, he's like, hey, hey, many are going to come to me at the end of the age saying, Lord, we did this in your name. Lord, we did this in your name. Lord, we did this in their name. You know what's wrong with that phrase? We did this. I can't do nothing. Lord, we did this in your name. We did this in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did this in your name. And he's going to say, away from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. See, we are not doing anything. If I ever do one thing good, it is Christ and Christ alone. There is nothing good in me. God desires no flesh glory in his presence, and that's why you better get on that plan to deny yourself, embrace the cross that God has for you, and begin to follow Jesus. You have a talent that God has given you. If you are born again of the incorruptible seed, if you've given your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. and You are now the temple of God, and you have a talent. You have a gift. You have it. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Do you know our biggest need here at Urban Youth Impact, where we meet every Sunday? is my heart is I want a mentor for every kid that we work with. And I'm going to die trying to attain that goal. Do you know why we're not at that goal? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. It's very simple. It's not complicated. The gospel is not complicated. In fact, Jesus says if you want to be in the kingdom, you must become like a little child. I don't want to deny myself. That's okay. Stay right there. Ask your father, why don't you want to deny yourself? You know what he told me? It's because I love myself more than I love him. He didn't condemn me for that because that was true. And it's still kind of true. Because I'm not fully convinced of the love of God, right? You're never going to be till you die, Ephesians 3. That's why Paul's saying pray. My prayer for you is that you know the depth and the height and the width and the, of God's love, which surpasses knowledge. So we got to keep pressing into the love of the Father so that we can obey Jesus' commands. See, his commands, 1 John chapter 5, it says that his commands are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. They're not burdensome, church. If they're burdensome, you're not walking convinced of the love of God. Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 6. And some of you are like, Chris... Two weeks ago, you spoke on Acts chapter 6. Two weeks ago, you prayed Psalm 1, and you did it again. I mean, come on, dude. I love C.S. Lewis's quote. It's more important to be reminded than to learn new things. And the reason why I'm here today in Acts 6 is because I personally didn't receive an email from anybody saying, hey, I want to serve. So I'm just going to go through Acts 6 again. Is that okay? 
Now, some of you are already serving. And some of you are not called to serve here. You're called to serve at other ministries. So we bless you. But some of you are called to serve here. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of what? Hell will not prevail. Gates keep, are trying to keep, keep out. Gates don't go forward. We don't need to worry about the enemy. We're going to hit gates when we're walking in the kingdom. But the gates are going to fall over. But are the gates being pushed back by this church? That's a question. Are they being pushed back? Are they being knocked over? And often the church isn't doing what she's called to do because we're not following Jesus. Jesus says, I will build my church. How can you follow Jesus and not build the church? If you have a good answer, please email me, chris at bowdownchurch.com. If that's what he's doing. That's in Matthew 16, by the way. Go spend time on that. Acts 6.1. Now, here's a question as well. When was the first time the word multiplied was used in the book of Acts? Just speak it out. Nestor was like, Can I, amen? You know, I, I, hey. What, I heard Acts 2. Anybody else? I gave you a hint already. I must be a terrible teacher, man, because that was one of my points last week or two weeks ago. We see some of you are like, dude, what is up with this guy? I'm, I'm, at, I'm just, you know, this is the frustration of the Western church is that we get filled up with sermons, but we never put into practice what we've heard. So we're always learning and never able to walk in the truth. The first time the word multiplied was used in the book of Acts was Acts chapter 6. The Lord used the word added to the church, added to the church, added to the church, and we went to those places two weeks ago. But in 6, he used the word multiply. Why? Why? Why did he use the word multiply? Because leadership started doing what leadership was supposed to do, and people said, hey, we're going to serve. Verse 6, chapter 6, verse 1. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. Now, in these days... When the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in daily distribution. So what do we see? We see racism and discrimination in the early church. So let me make a quote from a, a former president that said this. Racism is in America's DNA. With that kind of reasoning... We would have to say, if we're going to be true to Scripture in Acts chapter 6, that racism in the, is in the church's DNA. This is the early church. Let me just tell you, this is why we don't need to listen to people who are not led by the Spirit. Because even though 
America participated in racism, it's not in the nation's DNA. It can't be in a nation's DNA, just like it can't be in the church. It's in the people in the church, and it's in the people in the nation. It is a sin problem. And this is why people badmouth the church. Church is full of hypocrites. No. When you join the church, you become a hypocrite. Because Jesus' standards here. And you're trying to follow that and you can't. So therefore, when you first say yes to Jesus, you become hypocrite, number one. And this is why we need grace and discipleship because we live lives of hypocrisy. As Christians, the world, it's easy to take shots at a church when you have no standard. Christ is our standard, and we all fall short of his glory. And so racism is in your DNA, church. It's in my DNA until you give your life to Jesus and believe every word. Let me say that again. Racism is in everybody's DNA until they give their life to Jesus and obey every word. If you're racist, you're not following Jesus. Repent. Jesus would never discriminate against somebody he created in his image. He would never discriminate against anyone created in his own image and his likeness. And so if you are racist, that's your problem before God. It's not God. Simply following Jesus completely gets rid of racism. Believing every person is created in the image and likeness of God stops you from being a racist. You cannot believe both. That is why a biblical worldview is so important. It's so important. What did they do about this problem of racism in the church? Well, I know they confronted it. Because when you look at Acts chapter 5, they confronted lying. And a couple people dropped dead. So I know they confronted the issue, but they just didn't stick on the issue and stay on the issue. They said, okay, let's solve the problem. And listen, mature people in Christ say, hey, how, can I, how can I solve this problem? There's a problem. God, am I the solution? Or do I keep pointing out the problem? And so here's the solution. And the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So the disciples were getting pulled off what they needed to do, which was Acts 6-4. We'll get there in a minute. They were getting drawn into things that they didn't need to be involved with because leadership should have stepped up in the early church and said, hey, here I am. What do you need? How can I serve? How can I help? This isn't about me. I'm denying myself. I'm joining Jesus as he builds his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I want to see that happen. I want to see this church knock down the gates of hell. I'm on board. Take my one talent, take my 10 talents. It's not about me. This is about the bride of Christ and her being beautiful ready for our coming king.
I want you to put up that one picture for me, Jeremy, of uh, immature and mature Christians. I pray you got that one. It's purple. Hallelujah. So listen, if you're offended by this, and let me just say this. <laughs> if you're like, okay, I guess I'm a mature Christian, immature Christian, that's okay. You're at the right place today. Repent. Repent. Immature people get offended and they just leave. They just leave. Because they're immature. Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus says, love never fails. Love always hopes. Love believes the best. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Oop! Church hurt. Records of wrongs. Have you forgiven? Have you tried to reconcile? Have you gone one-on-one? Like immature, like our church should be probably like a mega church by now. So many people have just got, anyway, <laughs> it'll never become that, um, unless God wants that. Um, immature, that's what, you, that's what immature people, and, and if you're here because you left a church, because you were hurt by that church, hey, hey come see me, because I want to pick up the phone and call that pastor, and I want to say, hey, I'd like to introduce you to, and here's this issue. Was that what you were trying to do? Is, is that what you meant? What happened there? We belong to one another as a collective body of Christ. Big C. Big C. Universal church of Jesus. And God hates division. And maybe we're not having revival in Palm Beach County like we should because Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the oil dripping down from the beard of Aaron. It is there that God commands a blessing. Maybe not. God is not commanding a blessing because the oil's not dripping, because we are walking in disunity, dishonor, disagreement, casting stones at other churches. Don't do that. And don't come here telling me they didn't preach the word. It's not the church's job to preach the word. It's Jesus' job. It's Jesus' job. He's your main teacher. And if you're not getting fed by him above what your pastor says, your Christianity's not right. By the way, some people have said that to me. I'm not thinking about you right now. Jesus feeds his sheep. Pastors are called to feed their sheep, but pastors also are called to teach you how to feed yourself because he is the head of this church. He is the senior pastor. A mature disciple. I'm hurt by the church, but you know what? I'm going to obey Jesus. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. What's that? It's you go one-on-one to gain a brother. The motive's not to get even. The motive's not to put them in their place. The motive is not to get your emotions all out on them. The motive's to gain a brother. But if they don't listen, because sometimes people don't listen. I don't listen sometimes. You can ask my wife. You go get two. 
And you sit down and you try to work it out for the sake of the God, and for, for, for the obedience to, to John 17, the prayer of Jesus. His prayer, God, that they would be one like you and I are one. Like, do you want to see that happen? Yeah, 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 yeah. And if they still don't listen, then you go to the elders and that person's brought in front of the church and they're kicked out of the church. By the way, Matthew 18, 15 through 17 has been done on me only one time. You know how many times that should have been done on me? Probably about 150 times. Just keeping it real. I'm a broken guy up here. But people avoid confrontation because of fear of man. And the fear of man there's because perfect love casts out what? All fear. When I'm convinced of the love of God and I really do love my brother, fear the Lord. Like, I have to be holy here. Yeah, yeah, God calls you to holiness and righteousness. And so I repented in front of the church. And listen, if somebody's on staff with us and we go through this process, you'll be standing here. Here's the issue, though. Sometimes people leave before they stand up here. I've had one person stand up here when we were at that level. And so, bow down, we practice church discipline. Why? Because we're mature, we obey Jesus. Jeremy, go ahead and put up that one picture of uh, me and Bill Hobbs. So Bill's here today. Go ahead and stand up, Bill. Hey. Now, because I'm not ignorant of the enemy schemes, and I know he's the accuser of the brethren, you might have had this thought. This guy founded Urban Youth Impact. Why would he put his name up on the building? Understand, that was the enemy speaking to you. Here's why. And this is why you don't judge anything apart from the Holy Spirit. For two years, I had it in my heart to dedicate this building to Bill without Bill knowing because God put it on my heart for two years. And the reason why I didn't name it the Jesus Center is because everybody would expect the Jesus Center. We follow Jesus here. But I wanted to point to that name because when people ask, who is that guy? You know who that guy is? That guy was a top PGA golf pro professional, top professional in his career. He gave his life to Christ. He left the golf profession. He took a job making 16 grand a year, and eight of it he had to raise, so they were only paying him at this local ministry eight grand, right? Eight grand. He had to raise the other eight, and he said, I'm going to work with kids that are in the detention center. I'm going to surrender my life to reach these precious children. And I'm going to deny myself to do it. And as he was working with them, he saw that most of them were coming from the Tamron Avenue community. And so he said, and God said, start this thing called Urban Youth Impact. And it was started 25 years ago. And there's a lot of people who don't like 
the 25 years of how it was done? Because haters are always going to hate. Because they didn't like Jesus' ministry either. But there's thousands of kids who have had their life touched by the love of Jesus because of one man's decision to deny himself. And so that's why the building's named. As the president of Urban Youth Impact, myself and the board, we made that decision to surprise Bill for his 70th birthday and say, Bill, that's what your name is going to stand for. Your because of your sacrifice, this kid who was hooked on drugs, hooked on porn, far away from God, came volunteering and serving in a ministry as a volunteer. And now, some 25 years later, 24 years later, here I am. I found my wife at Urban Youth Impact. I found my calling at Urban Youth Impact. This church was planted out of Urban Youth Impact. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's why it's named that. One life that says yes to Jesus. One talent. One talent. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I'll go. One surrendered life, and you have no idea what God's going to do with it. I have a video that I want to play for you. We're going to close this up. Man, I still got four pages of notes. We went to church uh, multiple times a week, um, two amazing parents, two older sisters, um, went to private Christian schools my whole life. So um, yeah, really just had a strong foundation. Um, around ninth grade, um, I started hanging out with a different group of people. Um, most of them were not Christians and kind of just began to have fun. And at least what the world says is fun. And so 10th grade, I probably started drinking on the weekends. Um, junior year, was smoking weed. And church became more of an obligation rather than something that I loved to do like it used to be in my life. During my junior year, um, I, parents sat us down out of the blue and um, basically told us that my dad had been um, having an affair and that he was drinking again, which had never been an issue that I knew of, but apparently that's something he had struggled with 20 years before, and now it had resurfaced. The trauma from that moment on, I didn't know how to handle it. I was 17 at the time and had no way to even express how it was making me feel. I was angry at God because uh, I thought that he had completely failed my family. Um, I was angry at my family because I couldn't talk to them about it. No one wanted to talk about it. Uh, and basically, I was left with just this emotion. Um, and I really struggled. From that point on, I was really struggling with depression um, and had no outlet for it. I didn't even consider getting help. So I really dove into those fun activities and really anything that would get my mind off of the pain I was feeling. That's what I was running towards. Um, so ultimately, I... I got asked to leave the private school I was at um, because of drugs. Uh, this was halfway through my senior year, but because of my um, grades and um, test scores, I was able to still have a full ride to the University of Florida and just continued, uh, really ramped up the party lifestyle. And um, my grades 
started really falling out, stopped going to school. Um, by my junior year, I had my last semester up there. I didn't go to class a single time, completely failed out. And because of that, I lost all my scholarships. I, um, I basically had to move home. Yeah, so when I was 23, um, the first time I met my future wife, our first conversation we ever have, she tells me that she's, she's just graduating high school. She's going to go and do missionary work um, overseas. And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's great. I think that's a good thing. But I'm an atheist, so, you know, you're kind of wasting your time is what I was getting at. And she looked at me dead in the eyes and was like, no, you're not. You're not an atheist. And I about lost it at that point because um, like, I literally just met this girl and she's telling me what I believe in. Um, but that led to us talking, you know, for hours. And she really just planted a seed. Um, and from there, I kind of had this idea where um, if I thought that if I read the Bible every day, if God's word was actually God's word, then diving into it, I should see some kind of change in my life. So I took God up on that. And um, every day for nine months, um, I read the word and journaled. And really from a pessimistic perspective, because I was still like, I don't believe this. But over time, I started seeing a softening of my heart. I started going to bow down and heard about 516. And I first thought it was crazy. Um, but over a few months, I just felt God was leading me to do it. So um, talked to Rochelle, who's my girlfriend now, and tell her, all right, I'm going to do this. Um, so we do it together. And um, ultimately, you know, I, I'm drinking way less, obviously. Um, and God's doing this work in me where I'm able to walk through forgiveness with my dad. And um, I just feel like more I'm showing more parts of me that I was hiding before. But I had this, this other part of me that I didn't let anyone see, I didn't let anyone in on, and that was the pain that I was still feeling um, that was manifesting really in fun and alcohol and drugs. And like, I didn't, I, for some reason, I could live both lives. So 2020, uh, Rochelle and I have a COVID wedding and we get married, but she has no idea that I'm still drinking. Like, I'm secretly, um, you know, we could we would drink and socially, but I'm sneaking drinks and basically doing whatever I can to get five or ten more drinks in me than anyone else. And she had no idea, um, and I was keeping that from her. And um, I just continued to like I was still using drugs when I would when I could. So February thirteenth of twenty twenty two was my basically my bottom. You know what they they would people call their bottom. Um, I was drinking and using, um, I was basically alone and just had a mental, I would say mental breakdown, um, but it was so spiritual as well. It was just such an attack on me. Like I've never been that um, depressed and anxious in my life and um, just in the darkest place I've ever been. And I couldn't see a way out, I couldn't. And so I sat in that place for hours, um, like throughout the whole night. And by like 5 a.m., I was living with my in-laws still, and Rochelle was out of town for business. And um, so I, I ended up knocking on my, my mother-in-law's door, her bedroom door at like 5 a.m., and just spill my guts out about all of the, all, every, all these lies that I've been telling and the lies I've been living, I just had to, had to tell someone. 
Um, and from that point on, it became, began my process of recovering, um, healing. Um, once I told my mother-in-law, then I told my wife and started just telling the people around me in my life who I knew cared about me, knew would pray for me and support me. Um, and that, that after uh, a week or so of just like weighing our options, I decided that going for like an in-person rehab for 30 days would be really beneficial. Um, so I did that, and it was, it was amazing. I learned so much about um, just what I was actually struggling with and that how, you know, they, they say in AA that alcohol wasn't our problem. It was our solution. And that just rang true for me because it wasn't alcohol that was really the issue. That was just how I was solving my, my pain, of my emotional pain. Um, so once I realized that, then it's like, okay, now it's time to work through um, all this emotional stuff that I've been bearing all this time. Um, and as of you know, today, I'm almost 10 months sober. And um, it's totally by the grace of God that I'm here today. Anything that you keep in the dark, uh, the enemy is going to use against you. Um, for me, it was not letting anyone in on the pain I was going through and lying about all the, like I was just telling lies and I wasn't being honest. Um, and it wasn't until I did get honest that that change happened and it happened so quick. So I just would encourage anyone who's, who's hiding, who's, it might be this might might be a small thing, a seemingly small thing, but the enemy will use that. And so, I would just encourage people to get into the, run to the light, get in the open, um, because it's that's where healing is. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you know, I lo- I know the Book of Revelation. Um, Jeremy, I'm going to send you one more picture. Worship team, if you can come up, please. Texting it to you, bro, man. Bill Hobbs and also Robert, if you could just come up here, please, as well. Let's give these guys a, a hand, right? I just want you to see this picture here. Jeremy, whenever you get that picture, just go ahead and throw it up. At the dedication, we wanted to take a, a picture that would really demonstrate what, um, what the gospel, what a surrendered life, what an obedient life, what a life where there's no more lies looks at. A lot of people had issues with the book of Revelation, and I understand that's a, mm, some hard sayings. Some hard sayings. One of the sayings is in chapter 20, that liars go to hell. We didn't like that. Robert was walking in a lie. Bill was walking in a lie. That my position, my golf, my career, 
This is life. This is success. This is. And some of us are walking in the American dream lie. <clears throat> some of us are keeping things like, like Robert. On the down low, your wife or your husband doesn't know you're sipping on gin and juice. I was driving down today, and I was, I, you know, sometimes people drive by and all that weed smoke goes out of their car. And I'm just singing as I'm going, and I just kind of was like, that's Holy Ghost smoke that's flying out of my car right now. Because I had the windows rolled down, it's a beautiful day. You will be revealed one day because God sees everything. So today's your day to quit playing games with God. He's not your mom that keeps repeating herself, keeps repeating herself, and then yells at you. The loving father that just wants you to be honest. He loves you. He loves you. And I was sharing this with my wife today. It's like when, when my kids were little, I'd say, hey, C.T., Riley, here's this, here's this cookie. I'd give it to them. And then I'd say, hey, can I get a bite? No, it's mine. <laughs> now, crumble cookies weren't back then, but this was just regular chocolate chip. So crumble cookies, I would understand. But that's how we act. God has given you breath, life, gifts, talents. No, it's mine. So this picture demonstrates Bill saying yes and touching countless lives that when he goes up yonder and gets a real raise, those of us down here will still be doing this. Robert, do you have the, the, the recovery church slide somewhere? We're doing this thing on Friday nights called Recovery Church, where people who are, have come out of addiction are trying to fight addiction. They can meet here on Friday nights, and if it wasn't for Robert, that wouldn't be happening here. God used Robert to start that here, and Robert, turn around and look at that. So they may not be little kids struggling, but you imagine all these adults coming off alcohol, coming off drugs, getting set free, encountering Jesus and following him as Lord. You have no idea what God's going to do. We need to keep him in prayer that God would be a strength. So today, as we close and as we worship, if you've been hiding anything, lying, walking in deception, I don't want to deny myself. That's okay. Come and confess that. And, and if you come to me, you don't want to say, yeah, I don't want to deny myself either. But let's pray for one another. And that's the grace of God. That's what God offers. So let's pray. And then we're going to sing, Father, I thank you for these two lives in front of me. Two lives that are an example of simply saying yes to you, Jesus, of being honest about where they were, about saying, I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to embrace this cross, this painful thing, and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Thank you for the example of Bill and the 20 
five years here at Urban Youth Impact of faithful excellence, of trying to lay down our lives for these precious, precious children. Help us, God, to do it better in your love. I thank you for Robert and his vulnerability and transparency that he opened up to his church. Hey, this is what I did. And I pray that example, that example, God, would cause those who have been faking it to get on their knees here and surrender their life to Jesus. And so, God, please, as we sing to you, as we worship you, I pray that this altar would just be filled with people on their knees. Saying, God, I'll take the talent. I just, I just ask for you to use it. My life is yours, Jesus. I'm deciding to follow you today, to walk in your love. And so, God, I just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.